On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about new music from Alice Cooper, The Foo Fighters, Neil Young, Weezer, old music from Nick Cave, and several non-sequiturs. You know how the show works. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates. Hope you're all doing okay. It's your old Uncle Derek talking to you on the computer box thing that we all use and enjoy. This evening I'm enjoying a Guinness, Guinness Draw, if you must know. That's, uh, it's Irish month. It's, it's the month of March, and, uh, St. Patrick's Day happens this month, so we're drinking a bunch of Irish beers here over at Casa Derek. I still haven't named the place. Sorry, don't know why I feel the need to to try to to find a name for it like that when I do the show. This is the only time that that happens in my regular life when I'm talking to people and I mention my house. I just call it my house. But when I'm talking on the podcast, I feel the need to name the house something. You know, like Prince had Paisley Park or Elvis had Graceland. Uh, You'll notice I went to Prince before Elvis for some reason. Uh, I wanna. I, I want the house to be called something. Uh, years ago, when I had a roommate, there was an inside joke where we referred to the place as Smashington Estates, and I like that. But he's not around anymore, and that feels like a joke between the two of us, not between all of us who are talking right now. Which I, I assume that you're also talking, that I'm not just talking by myself, that you're also saying words during this whole thing, that uh, our two conversations are completely unrelated and unlinked, but that uh, they are both going on at the same time. That's my assumption, but uh, your life may vary from what happens inside my head. The point is I'm hi- I'm enjoying a Guinness, and it is Irish month, and there are Irish beverages here in the house, and I'm enjoying those in uh, honor of uh, St. Patrick and other people who are also Irish, like Shane McGowan, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Hope you're enjoying something, too. I have had a long day. I'm very frustrated and tired. I, uh... I I uh, didn't sleep great last night. I don't sleep great a lot, but last night was particularly bad. Uh, y'all know that I've got some back issues and that kind of thing, and that was just bothering me. And I was up super late the night before, and uh, I mean, like, super late, like, three to four in the morning late, just kind of tossing and turning and not getting comfortable and all that. And, and then, uh, long story short... This morning, I was scheduled to get up for work, but about an hour and a half before I normally would wake up, there was a lawn care service doing very loud work directly outside my bedroom window, so I woke up an hour and a half early after being up crazy late, and that's how my day has gone. That sort of colored the rest of the day, also had a very frustrating work day, and other things as well. So that's uh, that's where I am heading into this episode. I hope that you're having a much better day than that. If not, then I hope that by the end of this thing that we're 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 all feeling a little bit better. Uh, I almost said we're both feeling a little bit better, but I also like to imagine that you're listening to this show in a group. Like there's uh, your 10 friends that you can have on your quarantine list are all gathered in the same room and you're listening to this show together. And that's the thing that you're doing every time your group of people gets together. And uh, that's how you're getting through this pandemic. It's all on my shoulders and I'm hitting you with nonsense. That's what I like to believe is happening again your real life may vary. One of the things going on in the world is people are freaking out about Dr. Seuss, which uh, is, well, a certain group of people are freaking out about Dr. Seuss. His estate, essentially, 
announced that they would no longer be publishing six books that nobody has ever read by him that are uh, that contain racist material and uh the far right freaked out about it and is talking about dr seuss being canceled because when the far right hears a word, they just start saying it without applying it correctly. And that's what's going on with Dr. Seuss, uh, which I know a lot about Dr. Seuss that makes this particular issue seem kind of minor. Uh, I'm going to start with Seuss is not how his name should be pronounced. Uh, that's actually his middle name. It's actually uh, Theodore Geisel is his name that he would use in normal society. Middle name is Seuss, but you don't pronounce it Seuss. He, uh, he in fact, himself clarified a couple of times that it should be pronounced Soyce, uh, or possibly Zoyce, but I think Soyce. And uh, people just mispronounced it so frequently that he stopped correcting people, and now he's Dr. Seuss, also not a doctor to my knowledge, but, you know, whatever, I'll let that go, it's a pen name. Those, uh, minor things are very, very minor when you look at the rest of his life. Uh, y'all wanna know about Dr. Seuss? You wanna know about, uh, Theodor Seuss Gazel? You wanna know about him? Because I know about him, and I'm gonna fill your head with it. He, uh, was an adulterer, he cheated on his first wife, and uh, did it in a way that is somewhat reprehensible. He cheated on his wife with a woman who was also married at the time and was 17 years younger than him. And the affair was uh, to the degree that when Soyce's wife, and I'm going to call him Soyce throughout the rest of this just to drive you crazy, when Soyce's then current wife found out about it and figured out that the marriage was ending, she committed suicide and uh, said that she was doing it because she couldn't bear the thought of being parted from him, and she considered her suicide to be a gift to him. And uh, after Soyce got married to his new wife, who was his wife for a long time up until the end of his life, so good job there, credit for that. But after they got married, she had two daughters who she sent away, later commenting that neither of them wanted to be parents. Uh, and after Soyce died in 1991, that's still pretty recent, even though it's 29 years ago in comparison to the rest of the story. After he died, she then reconciled with her daughters, but... For the duration of their marriage and life together, her story was that they didn't want children, which sounds a whole lot more like he didn't want children. He often said of children, you have them, I'll entertain them. He didn't want kids of his own. And his second wife, who, if you'll remember, was involved in an affair on her side and his side with a man 17 years her senior, uh, she sent her kids away and only reconciled with them after he died. So, you know what? If the worst thing that's going on is somebody is no longer publishing some books of his that you've never read before because they weren't very good, they weren't Green Eggs and Ham, they weren't Cat in the Hat, if, 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 if all that's happening is his racist books aren't being published anymore and people aren't up in arms about the fact that he was an adulterer whose first wife committed suicide because of his adultery and who hated children to the point that his second wife drove her children away, uh, if people aren't harping on that, maybe it's a good day for a Dr. Seuss fan. Maybe you don't have a lot to be complaining about because you can still read Green Eggs and Ham and The Lorax and The Cat in the Hat and whatever other damn book of his that you've ever actually heard of, those are still out there and you can still read them and you can still read them to your kids who Seuss would have sent away and feel fine about it. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess get upset that you no longer have uh Racism to instill in the hearts of your children. Uh, you can you can instead keep that racism in your own. G good news, the racism doesn't have to go anywhere. You can just internalize it. How about that? How about you do that? Uh, that's uh, my thoughts on 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 the the Dr. Seuss Dr. Seuss uh, incident of the past week or so. Uh, many of you probably don't agree. 
and I don't care, because this is my uh, little show where I'm talking, while, again, we established earlier, you are also talking. So, uh, maybe you didn't hear some of that, or maybe the parts, maybe like you just stopped when you heard the word suicide and your jaw dropped for the rest of that, because it should have. Uh, that's what's going on, but hey, enjoy the cat in the hat, and the cat in the hat comes back, and the Mike Myers cat in the hat movies, uh, enjoy, enjoy that, because, uh, I guess all of that is still wholesome. Anyway, if you like the show, there is a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. I enjoy my relationship with them there. You can listen to this on pretty much any podcasting app of your choosing. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and whatever. If, uh, if the podcast app takes an RSS feed, I am now there. The weird ones might still not have me, but it, probably you're doing that now. But if you're looking for a place to listen to it, just know that the blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com has a player on it and also has lots of photos, and I write additional things there, and there are sometimes updates between shows there, especially if I know one show is going to have to be canceled or something like that. Think of the blog as your home base for the show. Uh, if you want to know more about me and my music, go on over to DerekBrink.com. There's plenty of stuff to click on there, and if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's all available for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and I don't collect your email. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. You can also email the show at db at derekbrink.com. You might recognize those as my initials, db at derekbrink.com, and I will answer your questions if you have them. Uh, many people just get replies to their emails. Uh, not uh, everything people ask me are, are talking points for the show, but uh, sometimes one is. I, I think I read something on here a little while ago, or at least addressed it. I, uh, I, have a, I have an email here, actually, that I would like to read, that uh, the person involved asked not to be identified on the show for reasons that will become clear as I read the email, but we've got a little bit of a mailbag section to do here up at the front of the show. It's uh, just the one email, and then we'll get into the bulk of the show where we talk about a whole bunch of music, but I did want to address this email because I thought it was uh, worth addressing. I uh, got one in the past uh, little bit here, not quite week, I guess a little bit longer than a week, and uh, I just, uh, I actually, this is a person that I contacted back and said, hey, I know you said please don't identify you, but uh, is it okay if I read it? And they said yes. So I'm going to read this. They write, Dear Uncle Derek, hi, Dear Uncle Derek, long time checkmate, first time check-in, let me stop right there, folks listening at home. If you're going to send me an email and that is your first email to the show, I love that introduction. Long time checkmate, first time check-in. That is wonderful. I loved this person on their first sentence. Let's get back to the email. Dear Uncle Derek, long time checkmate, first time check-in. I hope you'll understand when you read this email that I'd prefer if you don't use my name on the show if you read this in an episode. Pronouns, they, them. I appreciate how at the end of the shows you always say that black lives matter and tell everybody to be good to themselves and others. Would you object to adding something to that, though? I'm trans, and while I'm sure you're an ally, I'd love to hear you be a more vocal one. I know you can't always cover every group that needs visibility or that'll be the whole show, but once in a while would you mind throwing in the trans lives matter or maybe trans rights or human rights at the end of the show alongside everything else? I understand if that is too much of a mouthful to include every week, but I know it would mean a lot to me and to any other trans listeners out there. Thanks for reading. I look forward to the show every week. And then they signed their name, which I will not reveal to you, because uh, trans folk have trouble with being doxxed and uh, hunted down online and elsewhere. Um, that is absolutely something that I will be adding to the show. I apologize in advance, dear listeners, if I forget some weeks because it's uh, it's not in my rhythm yet. I've kind of got a rhythm to the end of the show, but I, uh, I'm going to be adding that in. I'm at least going to be saying it uh, when I remember to. I apologize if I forget. If I do 
if it goes a couple of shows and it seems like I'm forgetting, then please do remind me, somebody. Um, this uh, email was great. It made me smile. It made me uh, kind of chuckle to myself a little bit with the opening to it. Had a very simple and fair request that I thought was great. This person, uh, they they knew what they were doing, and I really appreciated that. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, in case I have ever been unclear on that, yes, trans rights are human rights. It uh, It is wrong to think any other way. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Trans rights are human rights. And we definitely need to give visibility to that people group because uh, uh, it, it, it seems like it's still okay in pop culture and things to do a joke of uh, a guy dressing in drag and that kind of thing. And if done correctly, that can be funny still, I think, because it's not necessarily a shot at anybody who's trans or anybody who's any group. Sometimes that's just a funny joke that, oh, this guy's dressed like a lady, and sometimes that's just funny. But uh, it seems like it's okay to still kind of make fun of folks who are trans or who are uh, I mean, I guess trans covers a lot of a lot of ground because you've got transvestite. It could be, it could be transgender. It could be. I mean, when we say trans, we seem to usually mean transgender, but that can cover a lot of ground. But uh, it it just it seems like it's still okay in pop culture to sort of poke at trans people and at trans identity and that kind of thing. And and this being a show about pop culture. It's one of those subjects that it feels organic that I should mention that trans lives matter, that trans lives are human lives, that trans rights are human rights, and that is absolutely something that I am glad to add to my show at, uh, at the end, if not elsewhere. I apologize that it has not occurred to me to do that sooner. Uh, I will say in whatever defense I am entitled to that... For those of us who are not trans, it's still a, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say lifestyle, but it is a, uh, a, a life, uh, an identity. Let's go with that. It is an identity that we are still learning about. You can see even in just the last couple of seconds that I struggle to find words sometimes. It is an identity that we are still learning about that... I know that when I speak about trans lives and trans rights, I sometimes make mistakes in what I say. I, uh, I, 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 I know that I'm undereducated in some respects of that. I am trying my best. There are a lot of people out there who know a whole lot less than I do who don't want to be hurtful and are afraid to say anything for for fear of being hurtful to people that they don't want to hurt. And that may be why some of us don't speak more is uh, I know that I'm I know that I'm going to stick my foot in, in my mouth. I may have done it already in the what 18 minutes that this episode has been going. I may have said something incorrect about trans lives even just in doing this with my heart in the right place I may say the wrong thing. And uh, that that is very prevalent among those of us who are cisgendered. We may sometimes, out of fear of saying the wrong thing, say nothing at all. I apologize for that. Instead, I would like to say something. And if it is the wrong thing, I expect and appreciate being corrected. And I will learn from it and do better. Please always feel free to hold me accountable to things I say about sexual identity and also racial identity and, and, and similar related uh, subjects, and I will do my best to always honor that and consider what you've said and uh, correct anything that needs to be corrected. I will say, because I'm a person, my first instinct might be to say, well, yeah, but I didn't mean, and defend. Uh, please know that even if I do that, my brain will be spinning on it for a long time. I will still hear and dwell on what you said, and I will do, I will end up making a correction in my life, if not 
to a segment that I upload, I will make the correction in my life to address things better and to do better and to say things better and to have better actions uh, with anyone that is different from myself. So all that to say thank you very much for the email. I greatly appreciate it. I am touched to know that there is uh, a very kind, very funny, very smart member of the trans community listening to my show. Uh, I hope many of you are out there, and I hope you know that I am your ally who may sometimes need to be corrected a little bit, and if you do correct me, I will listen. Uh, so yeah, up here at the front of the show, Trans Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, and you are going to hear that again at the end of the show. So thank you very much for that. Uh, on that note, hey, we've got a pretty good show, I think, to talk through here, to get to here. Some set of words that make sense to all of us. I think the Guinness might be hitting me. I ate light today, and I think maybe the Guinness is settling into the old brain here. So uh, it might be an interesting one. I haven't recorded it yet. You're hearing this as I'm doing it. That's not true. You're hearing this in the order in which I did it. I'm not going to edit this that heavily is uh, all I'm getting at. I uh, haven't done the second part of the show yet is what I'm saying to you. I think it's going to be good. I like the stuff that I'm going to be talking about. I think you will too. I've got a whole big pile of music to get through here and I'm excited to get talking about it. So let's get talking about it. A whole bunch of music has recently come out, and there are several items I want to talk about. That's how the show works. I listen to stuff or watch stuff and then tell you about it. That's 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 the format. Uh, 2021 is shaping up to be a pretty good year as far as new music releases. It's at least a plentiful year. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming out. I think a bunch of artists didn't get to tour for about a year, and now they're just sort of making up for it with albums. Uh, there's some cool stuff that's come out, and uh, I want to talk about at least four things here. Five, if you count the stuff I'm going to talk about that's old, but there are four new releases that I want to get into. And the first of those is the new one from Alice Cooper. Our old buddy Alice is back at it. It's an album called Detroit Stories, which I was excited to hear because it's about, uh, it's kind of, kind of based around Alice's, I guess, feelings of his hometown of Detroit. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it just kind of caught my attention and I, I got, I got word that it was kind of back to his glam roots in a lot of ways, and and it, it, I was excited to hear it. So I picked it up, I popped it in the player, I got it in CD format. I think everything I'm going to talk about here, with the exception of one thing, I got in CD format, and I'm, I'm still a big fan of the physical product, always will be, like having something to hold in my hands, because you can't wrap your arms around an MP3. So I picked up the CD of Alice Cooper's Detroit Stories. And ultimately, my my review of it is that it's a it's a decent album. It's uh, mostly just kind of fine. I was excited about it, but I ended up just kind of thinking, yeah, it's that's fine. I liked uh, Paranormal, his previous album, way better. That one was more kind of in character with how I imagine Alice to be. This one's sort of outside of that. He's uh, he drops the character a little bit on this one, whereas. Like, I like his albums where he's a little bit more in the Alice character. But decent album. Again, just kind of fine. I've got some issues with it. He kind of, like I said, he kind of abandoned the character of Alice on this one. And that often results in a weaker album when he does that. That doesn't mean that the songs are bad. But in several places, it just doesn't feel like Alice. It feels like Vince, which is his birth name. It doesn't feel like Alice. Uh, there's a song on here, for example, unironically titled Our Love Will Change the World, which is a good song, but it's just weird from the same source that did Cold Ethel. And to open the album, he covers a uh, Lou Reed or, well, a Velvet Underground, I guess, song. 
uh, written by Lou Reed, called Rock and Roll, which is a good song, and it's a great cover of it. He does a really great job of it. But at the same time, it's a song from a dedicated New York rock musician to open an album called Detroit Stories. So that's a little confusing. Uh, He also does a new version of his own song, Detroit City, which was previously on his album The Eyes of Alice Cooper, which is actually one of my favorite Alice Cooper albums. I really like that album. But he, he, he does a new version of Detroit City. And I get why, given the theme of the album, but it's just not as good as the earlier version. It's a little bit muddier sounding. It's a little bit... It feels kind of sluggish. It doesn't have the same sort of energy of the band that he was working with on Eyes of Alice Cooper. I think maybe I'm just a big fan of Eric Singer, who was his drummer at that time. I don't know, but it's just it's just not quite as good as the previous one. So it felt like... I, I get it, but I, I'll, I'll listen to the old one, you know, if I want to hear that song. Uh, then there's the song Hanging by a Thread, a.k.a. Don't Give Up, which is an anti-suicide song, complete with Alice at the end of the song in the kind of outro coda thing, encouraging people to call the suicide helpline, even providing the number on the, on the outro of the track. It's noble, it's wonderful, I wholeheartedly agree, but it's weird coming from a guy who up until now has been portraying essentially the character of worse than Satan. It's just kind of an odd turn. I agree with him completely, but it just kind of caught me off guard that this is Alice Cooper who's going out of his way to tell people to get help for their 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 uh mental health that it, it it's the right thing to do and it's 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 wonderful. It's just weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Also, I just felt like the album was a little bit too long at 15 tracks, most of which didn't noticeably have anything to do with Detroit, one of which is about New York. But it's also not bad. There are some good and catchy hooks, and I'm, I'm gonna listen to it again. I think I just wanted the same thing that we got on Paranormal, or some other more character base albums. And this isn't that... But it's still good. I still enjoyed it. It just feels like a different version of Alice that isn't my favorite version of Alice. So, good album. Different take than what I was hoping for and expecting. Makes it about a B- minus in my book if I'm going to assign a letter grade, which I guess I just did. Give it about a B-. minus. Worth hearing, especially if you're a long-term Alice fan, or a long-time Alice fan, I guess is the sentence I should say. But uh, if you are if you want classic Alice, this is a little bit different than that. And I'm a classic Alice guy. So that's that's where I stood on Detroit Stories. Still absolutely worth your money. Still absolutely worth worth your time. Just be aware of what you're getting into, I think, is is kind of the bullet point of that. Next up, taking a stylistic turn, I want to talk about a new release from Neil Young called Way Down in the Rust Bucket. It's a uh, live album that is an old show. It's not very recent. There's nothing new on it. It's it's kind of from his archival series. It, uh, the CD case and liner notes actually give no indication of when and where this was recorded, but with songs like uh, Fucking Up on it, I guessed immediately that it was probably from the 90s, because I think that album that uh, that was on was in, like, 89 or 90, so I just assumed probably 90s. Uh, Wikipedia, when I looked at it, said that it was recorded November 13th, 1990 at The Catalyst in Santa Cruz, California. I have no idea why that is nowhere to be found on the CD case, on the liner notes, anywhere like that, It, uh, but it was recorded November 13th. 1990, in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, I would have sworn that Fucking Up as a song came out in the mid-90s, but I guess I was wrong about that. Uh, It's an interesting set list, although just without many songs for the uninitiated in it. Uh, He does that... He does that kind of thing a lot. He, he he has a habit of doing live shows with maybe only a couple of songs that you kind of recognize in them. And I respect that, and I, I like that, and I kind of that's one of the things that attracts me to Neil Young is he does whatever he wants to. Uh, so he, he does that a lot, and it, I guess it's just nice for guys like me that he's releasing some of it. 
But I think more people will probably be interested in his upcoming young Shakespeare release, which is coming later this month, I think toward the end of it, which is a show from 1971 that's going to hit a lot more of the songs that you know. This one doesn't have a ton of the songs that you know on it. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's an interesting snapshot of, of his sort of nineties material, but it's, it's, uh, or I guess late eighties into early nineties. It's, uh, it's a little sluggish and sloppy, which is about right. I'm good with that, but, uh, I can see why it took Neil 30 years before he was good with that, you know? And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a kind of a weird release just kind of a weird time in his career and and kind of a kind of a a, a, a weird night a weird performance uh, it's it's an interesting snapshot of the time right before his collaboration with Pearl Jam started which breathed new life into Neil and it's it's worth having but really only for guys like me like I liked it a lot. But if somebody came to me and said, hey, where should I start with Neil Young? Maybe like a live album or something? I'd say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let me hand you something like his Massey Hall performance or something like that. Like, I wouldn't go to this one. I, I, I would recommend some other things first. But if you're a guy like me who has a ton of Neil Young and loves Neil Young and just wants to hear more Neil Young, absolutely belongs in your collection. And even if you're not, I mean, you still get good versions of Cinnamon Girl and Homegrown and Like a Hurricane and it ends on Cortez the Killer. And you also just get a bunch of weird stuff that you've never heard, which is interesting. And again, if you're just one of the guys like me who kind of looks at the Neil Young that's out there and you think, you know, the 90s are underrepresented in his career. There's not a lot of archival stuff out there about the 90s. Well, here it is. There's a 1990 archival show that has some really weird and interesting stuff on it and a handful of songs that you know and love. So that's that's worth it to guys like me. But if you're new to Neil Young, start with something else. In fact, contact me and I will send you a list of albums that you should start with for Neil Young. But uh, this one won't be on it. But once you're in, once you're a Neil Young fan and you love him, then yeah, pick this one up. Overall, I'd give it about a B, just on that level. As a Neil Young collector, as a guy who likes the archival stuff, it's it's probably a B plus, maybe a minus. But just on the fact of if somebody picks this up and it's their first Neil Young album, it's probably not gonna get them to look much deeper. It's about a B, uh, and that's that's not a bad grade. Uh, so that's that's where we stand on way down in the, in the rust bucket. Uh, I, uh, tell me if you think otherwise, other Neil Young folk, because, uh, I'm always interested to hear other people's take on him, because I think you just gravitate to whatever you like from him, and I, I like this era, but there's other stuff I like better. I I'd like to hear some other people's thoughts on that. Leave a comment somewhere that I'll see it, which is either the blog or the Podbean page, or email me at DerekBrinkDuck, uh, or, uh, no, sorry, at db at DerekBrinkDuck.com. The Guinness has definitely settled in. We also got a new album from Weezer recently. You know, the Sweater Song guys and Buddy Holly. Uh, they're still doing stuff. They've done like 14 albums. There's a lot to catch up on if you're just getting into Weezer, which I'm fairly new to Weezer, so I've been trying to catch up. And uh, they put out a new one this year called OK Human. And I assume that title is a reference to Radiohead's OK Computer. Uh, that just seems obvious. I don't know if there's like a thing there or, or what, but that, that seems to be what they're doing. But they put out a new album. It's called OK Human. Uh, and it's a perky sounding little album. It's, uh, not in the, in the punky vein that you might be thinking of when you think, uh, think of Weezer. It's, you're not going to get your buddy Hallie and, and that kind of stuff. It's, but it's, it's very kind of up and perky sounding. It's, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's college rock is what someone my age might call it. It's it's college rock, you know, like you do. Uh, quick cuts between the songs, which I appreciate, because it just kind of, it's it's quick cuts, so they keep coming at you. I, I like that a lot. That, that makes me happy on an album, where it's just kind of boom, 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 don't let you breathe between songs. I like that a lot. Uh, the opening track is particularly good. The opening track is called uh, All My Favorite Songs. Liked that one quite a bit. 
And there's a good ballad or two, like Bird with a Broken Wing, in particularly, jumps out at me from the album. Uh, I, 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 I feel like I've heard their song Mirror Image on here before somewhere, but how? You know, because <laughs> it's a new song. I guess it's just a familiar riff. Uh, and I just, I, I started noticing about halfway through the album, maybe a little before, that there's a lot of orchestral stuff going on, and it sounds like a real orchestra. I meant to, before I recorded the show, dig into that a little deeper and learn more about the recording process, at least flip through the booklet and see if they list an orchestra, but it sounds like there's a real orchestra going on, and that's, that's neat. I like that. It's kind of Harry Nelson-ish in that way, if that, if that does anything for you. I, I really have only listened to this once, but it really piqued my curiosity, and I liked what I heard, and it's gonna warrant additional, deeper listens. And the time just kind of flew by listening to it. I think it's kind of a short one. It, it, it seems like it's only about a half hour or so, but it, it, it the time just flew right by. I just kind of, suddenly it was the last track, but I mean, mostly just like wow, who knew Weezer would still be around and doing stuff in, like, 2021? So, <laughs> good on him for that. And I liked OK Human quite a bit. I'm looking forward to getting to know it better and liking it more. Uh, for now, I'm going to give it a B plus. It might go higher than that. It's a, it's a really good album. I like it quite a bit. Uh, the initial listen was great. I appreciated the orchestral stuff. There were some really cool ballads on there. And some good, upbeat rock stuff. And we could use more of that in our lives. Uh, I know I could use more of that in my life. Maybe maybe you've got plenty of upbeat rock stuff, but I, I need more of it. So I appreciate Weezer providing it. Uh, last one of the new releases that I want to talk about is the new Foo Fighters album, which I know I'm a couple of weeks behind the last review you heard of it, but the new Foo Fighters album, Medicine at Midnight. Now, as of right now, I'm on Listen 3 as I'm, as I'm doing this, and on the first Listen... I was glad that I was told in advance by my brother Dave, who I need to have back on the show, I'm glad that in advance he told me that the album was basically Dave Grohl just ticking on 80s Bowie, because it's a very different Foo's album in that way. On the first listen, even knowing that, I wasn't sure that I even liked it. On the second listen, I liked it a little bit better, and on the third listen, I really don't like the second track, but the rest is fine. It's not a bad album in any way. Parts of it, in fact, are really good. I particularly like the opening track. That seems to be a recurring list of the, on the stuff that I'm talking about right now. I guess you lead with your strengths and all that, but I, I particularly liked the opening track on Medicine at Midnight. Uh, but I don't... At the same time, I don't imagine any of, of these songs ever becoming the song that plays in my head when someone says Foo Fighters to me. You know what I mean? Like, maybe somebody says Foo Fighters and you think of Mon Monkey Wrench or Everlong. For me, it's presently Walk from the Wasting Light album. I love that album and that song a lot. Uh, I, I just don't see any of these songs becoming that song for me. Which isn't bad, it's just the, the fact of it. Also, am I imagining it or didn't they already use the lyric, I've got this thing and I've been taking it out on you on a different album? Or, or, or something similar to that. That's just a very familiar-sounding lyric, and I've been trying to place it all week. And of course, if you Google it, it brings up the song off the current album, which is currently not in front of me. I'm reaching for it. I think that's Holding Poison is the name of that song. I just feel like I've heard the line, I've got this thing and I've been taking it out on you before, and I feel like Dave Grohl's sung it to me before. So I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm imagining that. It's just very familiar sounding. Regardless, this is an album that I'll probably listen to from time to time, but it's, it's likely to be on shuffle with other Foo's albums that I like a lot better. And that sounds more negative than I mean it. It's just that I like it, but I was hoping to love it, and I don't love it. At the same time, I have a friend who's never been a Foo Fighters fan before, who got into this album big time, and this is the first time he's really gone all in on the band, so maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just missing it, or I need to listen to it a few more times, or maybe it's just not for me right now, but later in the year, or next year, or in five years, or whatever, I'll think better of it. Which, by the way, that's a good way to talk about pop, 
pop culture that you don't like just abjectly hate maybe you have heard something and you're kind of like yeah it's not bad but uh, it's not for me maybe the best way you can say that to somebody is this is not for me right now it might be someday but it's not right now i i picked that up from somewhere and i like it uh I, 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 this one may just not be totally for me right now, but I think it's going to be later. Honestly, for now, right now, in my heart, it's about a C or a C plus letter grade. Maybe it's a B if you cut Shame Shame and throw in another song that's a little bit more like Waiting on a War, which is the best song on the album, hands down, but it also... Even that song sounds a little, a little bit derivative of other songs that they've written in the past, so whatever. But at nine tracks, and not being able to stand one of them, it's a C to me. And also, I don't appreciate the unmitigated gall to release a song called No Son of Mine, and it's not a cover of the Genesis song. I mean, come on, Dave Grohl, what are you doing over there? I'm kidding, of course. But it, it's... It's not a bad album. Again, I just wanted to love it, and I don't love it. So it's about a C grade for me. and But it's a C that I hope is going to get some extra credit here in the next couple of months, and I'll look back on this review and think, what was I thinking? You know, it has potential to be that with more listens. And it's a short enough album that it's entitled to more listens, at least in the background while I'm working or something. But uh, that's, that's where I am on it from now. I'm... Presently, the only reviewer that I've heard say that, so it might just be me, but that's my feeling on the new Foo Fighters album for now. So that's all the new stuff, but I also want to touch on some old stuff really quick, including a release that came out just at the very tail end of last year, so it's not that old, some of it, but uh, I, uh, I've, I've suddenly become a fan of Nick Cave and or The Bad Seeds. Uh, Nick Cave, uh, a guy who's been around just short of forever, whose name you've probably heard a million times. Most of you who are cooler than me have probably heard his name and been into his work for uh, upwards of 20 or 30 years, in fact, by now. But I'm, I'm a new convert to Nick Cave, although I do remember him being around in the 90s. I actually have a very vivid memory of him doing a performance on Letterman during the uh, Henry's Dream, Harry's Dream? Henry's Dream album, Harry's Dream. Fuck. Hang on, I have to look this up. Stay with me. This is something that I have to get right. The difference between the name Harry and Henry only means something to you if you know one of them, but uh, it's important to me right now because I'm talking about it I'm killing a lot of time just saying things, trying to get the album to pull up on my phone. Henry's Dream is the name of the album from, I think, 1990. Uh, that is an album that he was doing a appearance on Letterman, promoting that album. And I remember that appearance very clearly. And I have, since that year, had the song I Had a Dream, Joe, stuck in my head that hasn't left. I remember it almost flawlessly because I pulled it up on YouTube not long ago. I also remember, and this gets cut out of all of the YouTube clips, I also remember Letterman going to commercial after the song and coming back and looking at Paul and very kind of David Letterman-y in his way, uh, saying, I had a dream, Joe, just kind of making fun of the song a little bit. I remember that, which was a dick move on his part. That's right. Dave Letterman, I'm calling you out on something that's 30 years old that you don't remember doing. Uh, have me on your show then, or something, and we'll talk about that. Uh, I remember all that happening. I remember that song. I remember that performance. I've been peripherally aware of Nick Cave for years. Uh, he's actually a good example of what I was talking about when I was talking about the Foo Fighters album, in that for the past many, many years, when Nick Cave would come up in my life, I would hear one of his songs, and I would go, it's not bad, but it's not for me right now. And in the last couple of weeks, it's become for me right now. In this time, I'm finally a Nick Cave fan. And what did it was listening to somebody else's podcast, 
and I won't say who because I'm told I shouldn't promote other podcasts on my podcast. Whatever. I don't care usually, but whatever. Uh, I also don't remember specifically which one it was is the main reason. I was listening to a different podcast and somebody mentioned his album uh, Ghostine, which is a year or two old. And I had seen that album. I remember being on the record stands and whatnot when it was new. I remember Ghostine being around and thinking, wow, that's a really pretty album cover by Nick Cave, of all people. Huh, who I'm not really into. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I want to hear that just based on how it looks. And then I never I never picked it up. <laughs> I just never did. But somebody on a podcast recently told a little bit of the backstory of the album, and it caught my attention, and I realized, oh, I need to hear that album because that's important. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, when Nick Cave was in the studio completing his previous album, the one right before Ghostine, which is called Skeleton Tree, uh, Nick, one day in the studio, got the news. I, I Actually, I don't know if he was in the studio, but during recording, he got the news that his son had died when uh, out doing, I guess, rock climbing, fell off of a cliff, and his son died. And he got that news while he was working on an album. And people wrongly think that Skeleton Tree and its dark tone is informed by that loss, but that's actually not the fact. Uh, Nick Cave apparently changed a handful of lyrical lines on that album, but it was mostly done by the time he got the news. I do think that there are a couple of places where the lyrics he changed jump out at you. Like, there's just a very apparent rawness to a couple of, uh, to a couple of the lines in there. But he... His first album, really, that was written post-loss and dealing with those emotions and dealing with that level of mortality and interaction with mortality was Ghostine. And uh, I sort of heard that much about it and thought, oh, I, I, I should really check that out because I, I don't hate what I've heard from that guy in the past and that sounds like something I want to hear. Because I'm a human being and like all of you, I am somewhat fascinated with mortality and loss. I'm just, I'm drawn to that as a subject I think you can hear that in my own songwriting pretty pretty damn clearly. Uh, but also, like, uh, if I'm going to listen to Warren Zevon, I want to listen to The Wind, which is the album that he put out when he knew he was dying of cancer. You know, I just, I, I am drawn to sad stories, as are all of you. So I, I wanted to hear Ghostine, and I've got to tell you, as my first Nick Cave album that I listened to front to back... I don't know if somebody could have written a better introduction to themselves for a guy like me. I started out listening to it on the sort of YouTube release of the uh, uh, debut, I guess, video that he put together for that album, and uh, I got probably 10 minutes into it and found myself ordering the album on vinyl <laughs> from one of my local record shops and just I stopped the YouTube and went okay the rest of this gets listened to in a single setting with a glass of whiskey on vinyl uh some night that uh, and that was in the past week and uh just a beautiful listen that wrestles heavily with mortality and with just other various dark subjects but uh, there's He's one of those writers that you could read a lot of your own stuff into the lyric, you know, on a lot of his songs, especially that album. And uh, uh, upon hearing that album and upon kind of completing that, I ordered some more Nick Cave albums because I, I just had to go deeper. And uh, I picked up the... Apparently, Ghostine was considered the end of a three-part sort of trilogy of albums which are made up by Push the Sky Away, Skeleton Tree, and Ghostine. So I got the other two albums, and I've listened to those, and they're beautiful too. Ghostine is the best of them, but the other two albums are also beautiful and are also in that tone. He also put something out, and I think he was one of the first to do it. He put out an album that was him performing in an empty venue after all of the shows had been canceled because of COVID-19. He, in 2020, did a performance at uh, Alexandra Place, 
which uh, I don't know where that is, but that is what it is called on the front of the album cover. Uh, he did a performance that was a filmed video at first that he also released as a CD and, and I think also vinyl release. I got the CD personally. Uh, that touches on some of the Ghostine stuff and, and otherwise, but uh, also does a lot of his old stuff from his back catalog, including a rendition of The Mercy Seat, which is a song that I knew was his, but that I'm mostly familiar with, the Johnny Cash version from the American series. The version that he does on Idiot Prayer might be better than the Johnny Cash version, and that might be the only time I've ever said that about one of the songs that Johnny Cash did on the American series. Uh, I really loved listening to Idiot Prayer as well, but I would not have gotten into Nick Cave if it wasn't for Ghostine and the bravery that it took for him to do that album and to confront that that degree of loss. Uh, I uh, uh, deeply admire that he took pain and turned it into beauty. That is something that only artists can do, and I'm always grateful when they do. I am a full-fledged Nick Cave fan now. There are other CDs of his that are winging their way to, to my house right now because I just sort of dove in and uh, I asked Facebook, hey, what should I buy? And people told me, and a lot of it's on its way now. So uh, check out Ghostine, even if you don't know him. Uh, if you know the background of it, I think it will speak to you in a very serious way. Even if it's the only thing of his you ever hear, I think it's worth hearing because you're hearing a man just bleed his heart out all over the lyrics and all over your ears. <laughs> There's got to be a better metaphor than that. But you're hearing somebody just take, again, take his pain and turn it into beauty and, uh, uh, wow, thank you, Nick Cave, for doing that album. That is the last musical thing that I wanted to talk about, and we're going to play some of my music, maybe one of my more mellow songs, given the tone that I just set talking about Nick Cave's son dying. Maybe we'll play something that's a little melancholy-sounding, and then we'll get into closing the show. How does that sound? Checkmates, thanks a lot for going along with me on this little uh, just shy of an hour ride that we took together. Uh, why am I talking like a 1970s radio DJ? I have no idea. You probably don't either. I think it's the fatigue combined with the Guinness is just making me weird. So uh, that's that's what's going on in my life. Uh, other things going on in my life, uh, still don't have a time scheduled for the plumber appointment that I mentioned in the last show, so you're getting shows from me pretty regularly until that starts happening at least. Uh, thank God for small favors, I guess. Uh, or not. Maybe you hate this and this is just your way of punishing yourself for a mistake that you made in life. You listen to me talk about pop culture. Uh, boy, that's, that's just a hell of your own devising. You could listen to Joe Rogan instead. Uh, and that's enough punishment for anybody listening to Joe Rogan. But uh, instead, you're listening to me drone on about music I like, uh, or some music that I just kind of like, I guess. Uh, I don't usually talk about music that I hate because I've found that in time I end up eating those words and going, ah, that wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was. So uh, you're listening to me because of a mistake that you made or because you know me personally and decided to or because uh, of another thing. Maybe somebody linked you to my Pearl Jam episode, or my Bowie episode, or my Neil Peart episode. Those are, I think, the best ones that, uh, as far as metrics. Uh, and you just kept listening. Whatever the reason is, I love you, and <laughs> thank you for doing it. One of these days we'll get a sponsorship deal, and I'll uh, do ad reads and lose you. But until then, I'm just grateful that you've been listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, the point is, don't have a plumber scheduled just yet that's still coming and we're doing episodes until until it does 
and then hopefully we'll only be like a week or so off when that happens, but whatever. Uh, other things going on in my life. I talked about Star Trek Picard last week. I am now deep into Star Trek Discovery. By the time you hear this, I will be well into Season 3, so if you're thinking, aha, I'm going to spoil it for him, too late, probably. Uh, I liked Season 1 a lot. I liked Season 2 enough to keep watching, and uh, uh, I, I, it's just... Star Trek Discovery is one of those shows that so much of it doesn't make sense. If you start thinking about it, it falls apart. But if you're just watching it and enjoying it and having fun and it's Star Trek and who cares, it's fun. Uh, it's great and it's fun and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I am sorry that I waited so long to start watching it, especially because I've had the Blu-ray of the first season in my house for just short of forever. I think the second it came out, I got it and I just haven't watched it. I just, it hasn't been the time, but it became the time because of how much I love Picard and I've really loved Discovery too. And, uh, uh, look, I know all the problems with it. You don't have to convince me. I see the problems with it. I still love it, and it's still a lot of fun, because we're talking about something that 55 years ago, with the original series, was just a monster of the week type of show, and now it's what it is, and it's 55 years later, and they're still making stuff, and it still entertains the hell out of me, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? So that's, 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 that's my feeling on Discovery. It's not, you know, it's not high art. I mean, some of it actually is, but it's not It's not the most complicated thing in the world. It's not, you know, it's not a Fellini film or, or, or whatever your poison is, but it's good, fun sci-fi that is at times really emotionally engrossing that, yes, if you think about it too much, it falls apart, but I just want to have fun and watch some sci-fi and have dumb crazy fun with a thing I like and that's filling that role in my life right now so uh, I'm going to be wrapping up season 3 soon and then I'll be desperate for season 4 to start happening which who knows if it will because it's a it's a show that's going on to streaming apps rather than to TV stations and those tend to fall apart with no warning so uh, we'll see but I've enjoyed it so far and I hope to enjoy it for many years to come it's a great show I'm really loving what the current folks who are running the Star Trek franchise are doing uh, I, it took me a long time to get into it and it took, you know, Patrick Stewart coming back to the franchise for me to get into it just because the Enterprise show was so unwatchable in my opinion. Uh, although that's one of those things, maybe I'll go back and watch it and enjoy it now. Maybe it just wasn't in the right mood. Who knows? But uh, I'm really glad to be watching Star Trek again and Discovery has been a lot of fun. Picard is wonderful and uh, uh, that's what's kind of going on for me. Other than that, I'm still waiting on my uh, parking, not parking, on my uh, license plate stickers to get here that say that I'm registered and paid up so that I can drive legally. Uh, the mail in my part of town sucks, and I renewed my plates on January 25th, and it is now March 8th. And I don't have the stickers that will allow me just to drive around town on the days where I feel like I need to get out of the house or I'm going to shit myself in boredom. Uh, uh, sometimes I just drive up and down the highway, but I can't right now because if I do that, I'll get pulled over. And here in North County, I have literally been pulled over in North County before because the cop said he was behind me for a long time, and I made so many left turns that he thought it was suspicious because I lived on a street where I had to turn left a lot. So I've been pulled over for making too many left turns here. I'm not going anywhere if my license plate doesn't show that I'm up to date. Uh, that's been frustrating. That's the other thing going on in my life, waiting on that. I'm afraid to even drive to the DMV to shake their tree and say, hey, give me stickers, I paid for them, come on. You know, uh, I, I don't even feel like I can do that without getting harassed by the cops here. Uh, so that's going on. But otherwise, I'm watching Star Trek and having a good time. And uh, I feel better at the end of this episode than I did at the start of it. So I'm going to say thank you for letting me do it. 
thank you for listening to me and putting up with me. And uh, we are now transitioning into the part of the show where I say the nice things at the end of it. So, folks, as you go about your week and life and whatnot, please remember to wear a mask. If you have to be around people, please social distance and stay away from others as much as you possibly can. Otherwise, uh, please get vaccinated as soon as you're able to, which in the state of Missouri will probably be sometime in 2025 once our governor gets his shit together. Uh, But please get vaccinated as soon as you can. The CDC announced uh, this morning on the day that I'm recording this that people who have been fully vaccinated can start meeting together indoors again with each other as long as you've all, all been vaccinated. And I desperately want that for my family, so I'm on the lookout for when I'm eligible to do that. Please do likewise. Please get vaccinated. Please, of course, continue to remember that black lives matter. Please remember that trans rights are human rights. And please, folks, be good to each other, be good to yourselves, forgive each other, and forgive yourselves. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. I had a dream. Joe.